What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Forge HQ podcast, where we are working through the Bible this year in our Bible reading plan. We call it a listening guide. Uh, We believe that if you want to know how to hear the voice of God, it starts by knowing and understanding uh, what he has said throughout his story and history, uh, most notably his word. So this year as a tribe of men, we are working through the Bible um, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, book by book. Um, And so we are in the middle of the Psalms of David um, and various other authors uh, this week. And so you can find that listening guide at theforgehq.org slash listening guide. You can also follow along on social media. You get updates there uh, and stay connected to the podcast. Let's dive right in. All right, so we are currently working through the book of Psalms, um, and Psalms is one of my all-time favorite books of the Bible. Uh, I think many people would say that uh, it's an extremely relatable gathering and uh, placeholder for a lot of writings that relate to our lives and to the lives of men and women who have followed Jesus throughout history. Um, and the reason is they're written by men who are walking through life, who are experiencing real challenges, trials, struggles, ups, downs, good days, bad days, all in the context of following the Lord. Um, David writes many of these psalms. They're not all written by David. They're written by several other authors and groups of uh, authors throughout the story of Israel and are collected all in one. Um, lots of scholars believe that a lot of these psalms were used as uh, songs in the early church services, that they were often referenced and utilized by the early church in their worship um, services, and however that played out in early church homes. Um, so what's interesting is David writes a ton of these, and David, as you know, if you've, you've studied the Bible, you've read, you've probably heard David was accredited as being a man after God's own heart. Um, here's what's interesting and what we talk about a lot at the Forge and, and why it's so important to do the hard work of working on you as a man and you as an individual is because when life squeezes you, it will reveal what's inside of you, right? So here in Lubbock, Texas, we do this day every year called uh, Lemonade Day, and kids set up lemonade stands all over the city. It may be a national thing. I don't know. I, it was I first experienced it when I moved to Lubbock, Texas, and all over the city, people set up lemonade stands, and the goal is to help teach kids entrepreneurialism and how to sell a product, work, all of these things. And so you've got like the most basic, hey, I'm just out here with my red flyer wagon selling some lemonade, all the way up, all the way up to some grand extreme lemonade stands that I guarantee you some dads have jumped in on and helped and some moms have helped decorate and paint um, and they're hustling, man. They've got a, a square set up. They're taking credit cards and Apple Pay, and they're working the thing, right? So you've got this whole extreme of uh, experiences when it comes to eliminate sand, which is just a fun fascinating thing to see all over the city, right? But here, here's what I love about lemonade is lemonade is literally made by the juice from lemons, all right? Like it's pretty simple. 
my wife and kids and I, we go to the local farmer's market during the summer and fall. And uh, one of the things we, one stand we love visiting is the lemonade stand because they make lemonade, strawberry lemonade specifically, like you get at a county fair. It's full of sugar, a little bit of lemon juice, and a lot of water. And it's delicious, okay? And so we, we love that. But here's, what's, here, here's where I'm going with this, right? When you squeeze a lemon, lemon juice comes out. You're not shocked by the fact that lemon juice comes out of a lemon. It's because it's what's on the inside. Uh, everything about that fruit dictates that, hey, when you squeeze this thing, lemon juice is going to come out. And so in our lives, when life squeezes us, when situations squeeze us, when good days happen, when bad days happen, when our life gets put under pressure, what's going to come out, right? And and that and and managing that and preparing for those days when you are squeezed and making sure what comes out is good, wholesome, the the right projection that you want people to know about who you are. Um, it takes work. It takes work to cultivate that, to do the hard work of unpacking stories in your life that impact what's going on in your heart. Proverbs says that the abundance of the heart and the mouth speaks, i.e. what's inside of you will come out. Um, when you're squeezed, what's inside of you will come out in a moment of interaction or a hard day or a moment of stress or chaos. What's stored up in your heart will come out, which is why we've got to do the hard work of working on our heart and our internals matter and what we put into our heart matters, right? The Psalms, in my opinion, are a great just pull back the layers on King David and David as a man and their moments when life is squeezing him and when things are going on in his story, um, hard times, people invading, facing enemies, running from Saul um, on the top of his game at success, having these man incredible moments where everything's going right. Life is squeezing him. Uh, opportunity is squeezing him. And what comes out is worship. What comes out is affection towards the Lord. So what you squeeze, David, when you squeeze these authors of Psalms, what you find is worship, affection, and adoration come out of them. Um, David talks about real life frustrations with enemies, with uh, going through trials and leading God's people and you also see his pendulum moment swing when he's in complete awe and wonder of who God is. And there's even moments where David is writing in a prophetic sense about God coming and what God is going to do in the nations and how God is going to restore life to humanity and conquer sin. You see all these massive moments where David is writing. But what I, I am like fascinated by as I read through the book of Psalms, David's response in all of these writings, somewhere in the story, somewhere in the moment, there's always a moment where he pauses and or goes on these long explanations of the majesty and wonder of God. And it's extremely challenging to me. And it's challenging to me because... And I often find myself in church spaces, moments, driving down the road where um, worship music is on. Okay. 
um, we live in a society where there's almost like an overabundance of worship music. I find myself like I'm a Spotify premium guy. And so like I get on there, I've got access to thousands, hundreds of thousands. I don't know, millions maybe of songs to listen to at any point or moment that I choose which means I have access to hundreds and thousands and maybe tens and hundreds of thousands of, of songs defined as worship genre. Right. Um, and so I, I, I can fall prey to this over or I should say over calloused or desensitized to what worship really is or what I'm singing. Um, and it becomes this thing where it's like, okay, well, I, I've got worship music on in the car, so I sing the song, and I, I just I give mental assent, but it doesn't do anything to me. It's not engaged or connected to my heart. Same can happen for me on a Sunday morning when I like gather with the people of God and we engage in singing as an act of worship. And I can find myself real quickly just singing the words because, oh, it's the same song that I sing in the car. And, oh, it's the same song that's on um, at the office or it's the same song that my wife plays when she's getting ready. Or it's the same song and the words are great and the lyrics are good and the tune is, is catchy. Um, I can do that and I can just put this song or this idea into this category of it's just music instead of understanding that it's worship or approaching it with a heart posture that it is worship, that it is a great, magnificent, holy, awe-inspiring God that is on the other side. The recipient of my worship is a king who sits on a throne for all of eternity. I can quickly lose sight of that when worship just becomes a genre of music in my life and in my car. And I think what I want to come out of me in all moments of my life and all moments of my day, especially when I'm squeezed, is worship, is affection, is a desire to know, love, praise, give glory and honor to the Lord. That's what I want to come out of me. But if I'm honest, it doesn't always happen. And if I'm honest, it, it happens less frequently than I really want it to. So how do we become people who worship is not just a genre of music, but like David, it's his response that when you squeeze David, worship is the thing that comes out. When you squeeze these other authors of Psalms, what comes out is worship. When you engage them in the hard moments of life, when you engage them in these places and spaces where everything's going on, worship comes out. Affection for the Lord comes out. Prayer comes out. It comes out messy. It comes out clean. It comes out unfiltered, but it comes out of them because it's what's inside of them. And so I'm always, always challenged as I read through the book of Psalms to understand and to, to be re-engaged with this idea that affection for the Lord should not be reserved for a Sunday morning experience. Affection for the Lord is not just, man, when things are really great, but Reading through David's writings in Psalm brings me to this place where of understanding where it's like, no, 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 no. 
on my worst day, God is still good. He's still sovereign. He's still holy. He's still moving. He's still clothed in splendor. He's still seated on a throne. He still has righteousness and justice as his footstools. He still commands the sun to rise in the morning and he commands it to set in the evening. He is still high and lifted up and exalted and worthy of praise and honor and glory and affection. David's writing reminds me that those things are all true and will always be true because it's God and he never changes. All right, so you squeeze David, you squeeze these authors in Psalms. As we're reading through it, you find worship, affection, and adoration comes out of them for the Lord, regardless of the situation. So how do we get that inside of us, right? Here, here's some things that I'm like challenging myself with as I'm reading through Psalms. It's to slow down to pause and to do two things. One is process what I'm seeing and walking through, um, whether that's writing um, physically in a journal. My wife's a huge journaler, writer. She likes to you know, write in cursive, which is like writing in Egyptian hieroglyphics to me, but she loves to do it. That's her way of um, processing life, what she's reading in scripture, what's going on in her story. That's her way. For me, I'm a, I'm a like bullet point journaler and I'm also like long hand. If I want to record something, I'm typing it out on my iPad. So there's this processing. The Psalms are full of moments where David is processing what he's going through, even um, writing out his prayers of asking God to intervene in situations that he finds himself in as he's processing them. Right. So number one, I think there's a processing piece that reminds us constantly that God is on the move in our story, that in the midst of it, we often have time, hard time seeing that he's active. But in the rearview mirror, we can always find places where God is working. And if we pay really close attention in the middle of situations, we will see where God is present in the midst of our journey. The second thing I think that is really important and helps get worship inside of us is the pausing in our day to remind ourselves that God is sovereign and holy. To find places, whether it be nature or in, in writing or in learning or in your job or in people or in scripture, is finding places and spaces that remind you of the awe of who God is and to keep that ever before us. That whenever we stand in worship on a Sunday and we're singing about the holiness of God, We've got to be people who understand Isaiah 6, right, where, where Isaiah is standing before the sovereign, holy Lord of all, and he feels completely undone because of God's holiness and his wonder. We've got to be people who spend time in the book of Revelation understanding that Jesus is coming for a bride, that he's affectionate for his church, and that his eyes burn like fire with affection and justice and righteousness as he looks toward the earth and his return. We've got to understand that, like David writes, that God sits enthroned in the heavens, that he commands the sun and moon and stars, that he moves mountains, that they melt like wax before him, that he's enthroned that he is worshipped, that all of creation groans in eager expectation for God's return and for him to be revealed, right? Like we've got to keep those 
pictures in front of us and we've got to constantly like I had a, a pastor friend tell me one time I just run movies over and over and in my head of the holiness and the grandeur and the splendor and the majesty and the awe and the wonder of who God is that when I am worshiping when I am singing worship on a Sunday I am thinking about the moment when every tribe tongue nation will bow before the throne of God and will all explain and exclaim, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. That that reel, that highlight reel is rolling over and over and over in my mind as I'm singing with the people of God on a Sunday morning. It may be the song that has been in my car all week long that's been on repeat on Spotify. But the intent and the object of my affection and the object at which I'm directing my worship is a holy, wonderful, awe-inspiring, majestic, glorious God who I am thinking about and choosing to target my heart and my affection on in that moment. It changes everything. It shifts worship from being a genre to an activity and an all-engaging, all-encompassing, all-consuming activity that places our hearts in line with this place where we see David as he writes to the Psalms of having wonder and on affection for the Lord. We've got to have those movie moments playing in front of us, and we've got to choose to actively engage in the worship and the affection of God uh, if we are going to be people who, when life squeezes us, worship and affection for the Lord and awe and wonder is what comes out. You, it won't naturally just come out of you. It's got to be the thing that's inside of you. So we have to work really hard to get it inside of us. We've got to be intentional, um, even in our God time every morning when maybe you're doing the listening guides or reading through it, to also spend time listening to worship music and choosing to run these movies in your head, to find these places and spaces in Scripture where the, the majesty, wonder, and awe of God is explained and written about, and just coming back to those over and over and over and over again is what's going to get this perspective inside of us so that when life squeezes us, it's what comes out of us. All right. So David and the authors of Psalms and their writings talking about their life when they get squeezed and worship coming out and affection for the Lord coming out. And our challenge is to be men who process life, who adequately take time to get in the place where we are setting our affections on the Lord. We are being men who put the word of the Lord before us and we're reading Psalms and, and we're reading in other places in scripture where we're watching the Lord and, and the explanation of his majesty and his goodness be in front of us so that it's on our hearts and on our minds so that when we're in these places and spaces of worship corporately, that our, our worship is not just a genre that we're living our lives as people who are worshipers. That's what David was. When you squeeze David, worship came out because David was a worshiper, that he had chosen to set his whole life and his whole affection on the Lord, to be a man who loved the Lord at all times. And so, man, I pray that we would be men who love the Lord at all times, that in our journey of following Jesus, it wouldn't just be a genre or a moment, but that worship, true worship and affection for the Lord and his goodness and kindness, his majesty, his wonder. We would be men to those things. They consume our lives. They consume our affections and our attentions 
so that when life squeezes us, worship for the king comes out. Hey, I hope uh, you are living your life on purpose. That's our goal here at the porch to be men who live our lives on purpose in every area of our life, not just our, our spirituality and our faith journey with the Lord, but also in the physical space, in our fun, in our friendships, in our finances and our family. And so, hey, I'm praying for you as you listen to this, that you're encouraged in the faith space, but also that you're being purposeful in every area of your life. Speaking of that, we have got a fun adventure coming up this fall in October 13th through the 15th. Uh, the Forge will be doing a Grand Canyon trip where we're going to just go with uh, 30 guys and we are going to hike rim to rim at the Grand Canyon. Just spend some time in the grandeur and the majesty of God's creation, resetting, refocusing our eyes to be men who see God and his majesty through creation. It's going to be pretty epic. John Piper says that nobody goes to Grand Canyon to give us a bigger view of themselves with a bigger view of and so it's going to be a blast. We only have six spots available. So if you're interested in joining us for the Forge Grand Canyon trip, it is going to be epic. We're super excited. If you go to the Forge you can check out the information there. Hey, if you like this podcast, it's, it's helping you. It'd mean a lot if you rated it, reviewed it, and if you shared it with some friends, posted it on the social medias. Um, it would be really great so that we can continue to help build a community. Peace.